No, Cousin Jeb, don't break downtown Canada. <laughs> downtown Canada. If you ask Torontonians, they'll say it's them. <laughs> to be fair, if you ask Torontonians any question, they assume the answer is them. <laughs> Hello, listener, and welcome to the Downloadable Concept Podcast, where any sense of cohesion and common sense has flown clean out the window, thrown with both hands and all six feet by Fox Lee. Wow, straight in, Talon. I thought we were going to futz around a bit more. He's the latest, hippest dealer of the Regency Solitaire set, ready to throw down like a Gilbert and Sullivan rap battle. It's Jeb Wrench. I, I can't top that. <laughs> and I'm Talon Lee. Hey, what have you been playing lately, Fox? Something. <laughs> You've been mostly making games, though, haven't you? Not a whole lot. Yes. Yeah, I've mostly just been drawing pretty princesses this month. And this is what I shall be doing for the next month. <laughs> but I have been playing a little something because I felt the itch for Saints Row 4 somehow. Yes. Then I quickly did not feel the itch again. <laughs> because I forgot how hard away. it is to control that game. I, I'm not a big player of, of GTA-style games. Um... And I don't find them. I don't find them approachable with a keyboard and mouse controller. So I'm using a gamepad. But of course, you can't remap any of the shit on the gamepad. Oh yeah. Oh no. And just no. Uh, yeah. Add to this, and my idea of how to play this game is melee takedowns on everything. <laughs> Which mostly uh, the dunk, works. dunk mode. Yes. Look, if there's no target dunk lock, mode is... all I have to do is is like run. That's the only way I'm going to keep myself from being hit. Or jump into an attack that gives me invincibility time, like a takedown. So it is literally oh. super speed, run around in a circle, come back, knee drop this guy until his head explodes, then run away again, then circle back. Always be dunking. Silly. Always be dunking. I love it. I I really love how visceral they made the wrestling moves in that. Like, they're just so beautifully over the top. I wish it was a bit more usable. It's on the gamepad, it's mapped to pressing the camera stick. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can On press the, PC, the, the stick button. Yeah, sorry, speaking strictly for the PC. You didn't know, you didn't know about the the L three and L four buttons, or L three and L R three buttons. Sorry, tell me more, oh strangers from a strange land. <laughs> wow, I didn't realize Talon was this unfamiliar with game pads. <laughs> A long, long time ago on the PlayStation 2. <laughs> Pressing the movement stick is crouch, as I recall. What? Yeah. Usually. I... I'm just having fun listening to Dallin's reactions now. Uh, what else can I tell him that's fun and exciting? Um, the D-pad has the powers on it. Okay, that that can make some sense. And sprint is... Your... Oh, this is the other problem I have, because I have stubby little munchlax hands, right? I think mm-hmm. everyone knows this by now. So actually pressing both shoulder buttons on a gamepad is very difficult for me. Oof. I, I have a lot of trouble reaching the lower ones, especially if they're on a particular model of a gamepad where they're quite stiff and hard to press down all the way. Um, so, yeah, I, I have quite the problem doing whatever's mapped to those. I can't even remember now. What the fuck? I think one of them shoot, actually. Hey, that explains why I never use guns. <laughs> <laughs> Usually those are the triggers, not the shoulders. Um, oh, wait, actually, yes. One one shoulder Probably has grenades. sprint on it, and the other shoulder has shoot on it. I can't remember what the, the lowdown triggers are. Anyway, I never use them. Is it any wonder I'm terrible at this game? <coughs> but there it's still is... kind of fun, because I fucking love my boss. There is no being terrible at Saints Row. Oh, there is. There's just different ways to be overpowered and silly. <laughs> Not overpowered enough. Mm. I need more levels and more upgrades in order to make my playstyle anything but terrible. I just went and got all the little shiny things, and then I had all the things. Yeah. I have spent a lot of time chasing little shiny things. <laughs> yep. 
and and you can uh, get almost all of those straight up. You only need to unlock well, two of the yeah, powers they, to get the Yeah, they give you the travel powers pretty fucking quickly. <laughs> They're like, oh no, you're getting across this place fast. I didn't realize I was going to be out of wall run. I, I'm enjoying that. That is good times. <laughs> I climbed some very tall buildings doing the wall jumping at first, and I'm like, fuck, this sucks. This is so slow! <laughs> like, oh wait, I can just run. Then they let good. me run up a wall. I'm into this. The, uh, the the nature of the game when it was first pitched to me, because of course City of Heroes had faded very recently, was, hey, do you remember running around a city at bonkers miles an hour? Yeah, you can do that again. <laughs> when Casey and I started playing it, she was just like, yeah, we're, we're, who needs cars? It, it does make the cars a little bit can, irrelevant. I found, can, I, I say, can I say that the best thing about Saints Row 4 is that you don't have to be in a car to listen to the radio? Yeah! Oh, you can listen to it at... That's what I was going to say. I missed the the car radio. Because what happened in Saints Row 3 is Talon's character, my sniper minion, uh, made my boss a mixtape in character. <laughs> and that was a lot of fun. Yeah, in, in Saints Row 4, since, since you don't need to use cars. Awesome! Um, and because, you know, you're not... It's all just a simulation and whatnot, and Kinsey's just in your head... You have always have access to the radio in Saints Row. 3, and ever I... since I, ever since I, ever since playing Saints Row Four and having radio all the time, <laughs> I don't like playing uh, an open world game where I don't have radio all the time. <laughs> it's really surprising too, because the idea of I have music anywhere versus I have music in the car—that's like a cultural divide. I it's, really think that's a thing. It's almost like a generational divide. I mean, we're mm-hmm. used to having headphones and music players with us constantly, always. Well, it's like with um genre of music, where, of course, when you're in my dad's generation and discoverability is a problem, and if you want to listen to every song on a record, you have to kind of just sit there and listen to the record all the way through. So it meant that you're much more likely to limit your tastes to a sort of general band of stuff you know you like, which is why you got that very genre calcification. You know, we, we only play country on this radio station. Whereas... These days, the, you have what jestingly we call the MP3 generation. It's like everyone listens to everything. Like songs don't have you except know, for rap and country. Oh god, that crap! That was pretty much how it was for me, anyway. Like even though this was before MP3s, mm. um, but I think this was just a side effect of mostly listening to '90s music. Where okay, there weren't a lot of like album artists in the '90s. There, yeah. there were some of them, but most of the time, you're the best way to get. A nice music collection was to pick and choose tracks, and you know, not not worry too much about the rest of that album because, nah, just get the single, just get the single. Trust me, just get the single. I don't remember who told me this anecdote. I think it was Premi. Don't quote me on this, but someone said to me that they were listening to a radio station on a journey to a convention, and it was one of those only only the best except rap and country, and the next <laughs> song. And the next song they played after that after that stinger was the Florida Georgia Line no, version of Cruise with Nelly, <laughs> the song that its own genres <laughs> don't <and> want. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> hey Jeb, what have you been playing lately? I uh, I've been playing a uh, Metal Gear Solid Five Ground Zeroes. Oh yes. What color is Which... your helicopter? No, that's that's Phantom Pain. That's the Phantom Pain. Ah. <laughs> This is this is the 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 prequel mission to the Phantom Pain, but I've been playing Ground Zeroes. I, I finished Ground Zeroes, and most of Ground Zeroes is kind of just standard fare Metal Gear Solid, so not the you know faulting off a bear to space to yeah. send back to home. Boo! 
<laughs> but after you finally rescue the last hostage, it kind of turns into, oh, shit, how do I get out? And that's really fun. Hey! <laughs> like, I hijacked a truck and drove past all the tanks at top speed. <laughs> Is this, like, covert stealth version, or were there explosions behind you and sirens? Um, <clears throat> there were a lot of sirens. Uh, I think they saw me. Um, but... <laughs> I only blew up a few things in, on, during the infiltration, and uh, they they heard those. But uh, Ground Zeroes manages to keep the trademark uh, Metal Gear Solid extremely stupid soldiers. <laughs> I would. I think you mean pretty unrealistic. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> as I was infiltrating in, I was carefully, you know, shoot out a light, take down a guard. Then, wait, I think I see someone over here. I go and hide. Nope, I don't see anything here. Another light goes out. Wait, what was that? <laughs> I don't see anything over here. <laughs> Take out another light. Why are all the lights out? <laughs> we have an, the radio in. We have an infiltrator. It's like, what? All the lights are out. Nobody is here anymore, but I can't find him. <laughs> well, hey there. Look at you. <laughs> You haven't seen that one yet, Jeb? <coughs> Afraid not. Ah, you you need to look up, what was it, Knuckles and, they were ducks, weren't they? Yeah. Knuckles and the ducks. Yeah. Oh, dear. Go find that video clip. Well, uh, the Valley of the Fluffy speaking Ducks. Speaking of videos, I also Valley of took ducks. some time, speaking of videos, I also took some time to watch, uh, a friend of mine, sort of, just obviously as a joke, created a new speedrun category for Ground Zeroes. Yeah. Called the Dunk Percentage. <laughs> yes. Which is just running at top speed and CQC take downing everyone. Oh, that's yeah! amazing! That's my, that, that's my style. I love it. It is fantastic. He's just choke slamming everyone. <laughs> Stop this, like, uh, losers! Starts, uh, oh no, there's a whole lot of stuff. There's a whole lot of stealth here. Just running along top speed. Runs up, choke slams a guy, keeps running. <laughs> in uh, <laughs> uh, his, uh, his my friend's personal best was I think like seventeen minutes, <laughs> but the world record is like for for dunk for the dunk percentage run is now like six and a half minutes. <laughs> wow, it's a pretty short game at last check. Mm. It, it's extremely short. Like I I I deranked the main mission and it took me only three hours. <laughs> Yeah, there was something of a contentious issue when the game came out, where there was this attitude of it's just a glorified demo, but yeah. But it has it has served uh, it has served to get me to want to uh, Run around eventually pick up. <laughs> well, make make a giant pink helicopter and listen to <laughs> listen to eighties music as as the helicopter flies in. <laughs> Though I like that in the PC version, you could put in your own music mm. from the from the Phantom Pain for the helicopter. Yeah. Because there's like this ongoing like escalating arms war to find the the best possible choice. <laughs> like there's a video out there of like John Cena's theme song as as the as the helicopter song. Me, I I think more outside the box. I'm thinking like uh, people should use. Uh, well, obviously, there's you know the basic level suicide is painless, and then there's things like uh, the banana splits theme. Oh, nice. Or, um, well, this one just came to me the other day, like, the, the Sailor Moon theme song. The English language badly translated one? Yes. Yes. 
Friend of you mine. See, you see this big, this big, you know, this big dark. Well, no, obviously the proper color is pink or purple. Yeah. Helicopter flowing in, flying in, and just fighting evil by <laughs> moonlight. <laughs> in uh, a friend of mine is playing the game too, and they've shared like the logo designing system, just how incredibly good <laughs> it is. So all the stuff that their uh, military unit is branded with is whiskey shark. <laughs> A friend of mine was Whiskey Octopus, so... <laughs> but but Whiskey Shark is a, for a Space Ghost reference, so now... Oh, yeah! <laughs> yes. Old Kentucky Shark. Old Kentucky Shark. A beer on... A shark on whiskey is mighty risky, but a shark on beer is a beer engineer. What? <laughs> I saw I saw another one on my Twitter... Come across my Twitter feed of Special Boy. <laughs> oh, here comes a Yours. Special Boy! <laughs> See now, this is why your card game needs to have some nouns and some adjectives thrown in with the animal names. Absolutely, absolutely. Dog bear is still a work in progress, but terrifyingly looks close to being done. Uh, if you can't make whiskey shark, I will be very disappointed. Obviously, clearly whiskey shark has to be a possible outcome. All right. Uh, also, another another thing I've recently found out about uh, the Phantom Pain is. You can actually play that game as a woman. Huh? Yeah, yeah. You don't have to control Snake all the time. Hey, me. You can control anyone that you uh, uh, recruit. That's meant not make failing to control your Snake drop. <laughs> I think you just did. Oh no! Unfortunately, <laughs> you don't get to. Do? <laughs> if you, if you you know if you don't use Snake for your missions, then you don't get to have the the robotic arm that makes the six million dollar man noise when you do stuff with it. <laughs> Because this is a serious game for serious game. Very gamers. serious game. Very serious Hardcore. game. Just, just how much of Snake is left? He's basically a thermos of beef stew at this point. Isn't that kind into of a cybernetic year. I... That is kind of the idea, is that he is an old and broken man. This is this is Big Boss, by the way. Oh, alright. Hey, but you... This is old and broken Big Boss. Um, speaking of hot pink helicopters and 80s music, uh, does one get flying vehicles in Sensor 4 eventually? Yes. Awesome. Yes. I wasn't but sure if they'd fly, so... I figured they might have just given you flight. Mm. Um, sorry, just the, 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 the I, you, you're pointing at me and going, you know, do you, speaking of 80s music and hot pink, I'm like, oh, okay, this is going to be about Far Cry Blood Dragon. Okay. I'm, I'm braced for this question, but no! Oh yeah, that reminds me that, yes, uh, um, uh, Friends Forever would be an excellent Helicopter awesome. theme. Yes. Uh, also, um, Far Cry Blood I know Dragon. Nemi, I know Nemi was using, uh, our, our friend Nemi was using, uh, She Blinded Me with Science for, for <laughs> nice. hers. Uh, I think in the Imperial March. Blood Dragon opens, like the very first thing you do in Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon is a helicopter gunship shootout of an enemy base where everything's neon with Long Tall Sally, which is also pretty good. Yeah, but it's, it's not going to be pink, that's all I'm saying. No, it. <laughs> Blood Dragon orange. is definitely more of the boyish, garish neon aesthetic. Yeah, it, it, it's more violet. <laughs> Ultraviolet. Uh, as uh, I mentioned a couple times on Twitter now, it's Metal Gear Solid is a lot like Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> Please, Professor, Kingdom elaborate. <laughs> Alright, this is... I'm going to lay to you some professional video game analysis. <laughs> Whoa, we got a badass here. What is... What, what is... Kingdom Hearts, if it's not just kids playing pretend with Disney. Fair. It's not me playing pretend with Disney. I wouldn't use Mickey and Donald and all those losers. You'd make the Hot Ones kiss, too. Oh, yeah. Hey, it's, it's Ariel Metal- and Esmeralda. I wonder what they'll do. Metal, Metal Gear Solid, on the other hand, is 
just kids playing G.I. Joes. Yeah, that's fair. Fair. <laughs> so really what they need to do next time they make a Transformers game is shoot for a little more of the Metal Gear ridiculousness <laughs> than what they've tried to do. Well, I mean, Platinum is making the next Transformers game. That could be so good! The last few Transformers games are actually very... Like, the ones that weren't movie tie-in ones. The ones that were just Transformers games for the sake of being Transformers the, games. Those were good, right? Yeah, the, the Cybertron The games. War for yes. Cybertron. They're pretty good. Um, I, I have views on how they handle transformation mechanically. Yeah, but, um, broadly speaking, they're pretty good games. Speaking of professional analysis. Yes, well, as it stands, (laughs) the transformation sequences used in War for Cybertron is much more of a sprint button than any sort of modal shift in gameplay engagement, and I think that that's a wasted opportunity. That's all. Do they? Uh, I don't know. I, th- I think, like, in, especially in the multiplayer, you found, I found that uh, shifting, that transforming to vehicle and robot modes also altered uh, things like hitboxes and That's positioning. That's I didn't play the multiplayer, ballistics. so... Yeah, okay, fair enough. Do they have Earth... Ve- it was much more... Pre- do, hmm? do they have Earth vehicle modes in the War for Cybertron games for no. any explicable reason? Okay, they do actually have alien vehicle modes. But Grimlock is still a fucking dinosaur, because... Because why are you even bothering? <laughs> Grimlock is dinosaur. If you are considering otherwise, you have failed already. When, when Pat Lee. See, here's the thing. It's not Grimlock is not a dinosaur because of dinosaurs. Dinosaurs are dinosaurs because of Grimlock. <laughs> oh, yeah. in, in, That's uh, the truth. In the old Dreamwave comics, Pat Lee tried to give uh, Grimlock a Cybertronian tank form in an origin story, and there was a revolt. <laughs> no, no. You, he can be Me, a tank Grimlock. as Me, well. Me, Grimlock smash. It's like a, they, did a, they did a special line of tie-ins with actual car manufacturers, that are like really detailed, really nicely made models of cars um, that were meant to be good, refined models of the cars on a collector level that also happen to be Transformer tie-ins. Aww. And for most of them, they did an okay job, except they made Grimlock one of them. And at that point, you're basically just grabbing the name because, you know, fans will recognize it. Because yeah, bullshit. Grimlock doesn't turn into a Porsche 911. Like, even if you want to make a car that's Grimlock, you... No, not that car. Well, that's no, not- Truckosaurus exists. Yeah. That, <laughs> what the fuck is that? It's just a, a very misaligned priority. Ah. Truckosaurus exists. That's all you need, basically. Look, if, if you insist on giving Grimlock a vehicle mode, and by the way, it better fucking be in addition to being a dinosaur. <laughs> you can throw away the human form if you want. <laughs> you can have just, just car have... and dinosaur, that's alright. But the, the, the only correct way to do that is to start this design by asking yourself, if there was a car that was a Tyrannosaurus, <laughs> what would it be? Truckosaurus. Exactly. This unexpected diversion into Transformers myths is going to work out so well. I really wish I'd had a chance to read Windblade before this point so I could put in some references that Rachel would like. Um, with, uh, with, so, so Phantom Pain, its price has come down a fair bit recently, hasn't it? It's like 15 Phantom bucks. Pain just came out. Sorry, not Phantom Pain. Um, Ground Zeroes. It's like a 15 Ground Zeroes, I think the, something like that, 15, 20 dollars. Now, I got it through Xbox Live Gold, so ah. I didn't pay anything for it. So they're actually- Which is a reasonable bad. price to pay for that. <laughs> Uh, I begrudgingly played it. 
This is not 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 to piss in anyone's debriefing, but this is also the one with extremely inappropriate treatment of female bodies, right? So yes, it's, people should be warned. In a lot of ways, it's like little kids playing GI Joe. Yeah, little kids who don't know what they're talking about. Um, I am not going. I'm not going to say that the, the Metal Gear Solid Five as a whole is n- not without its problems, but. It's also worth noting that you can enjoy, you can still enjoy things that have problems. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. We'd be in a really problem. We'd be in a really tough spot if we couldn't. Hell, <laughs> not a lot of media with no problems about representation. Hell, um, the the thing that I was going to mention as one of the problems that uh, Ground Zeroes had specifically when it was when it was new was apparently it was initially sold in the UK for thirty pounds, which is comparable I think it to like seventy five. How many games normally go for in the UK? Um, full blown, like uh, Wolfenstein: The New Order, which was which not only held a high price but maintained it for a long time. It was fifty five pounds, and that was regarded as being quite a high price for a game. Hmm. Whereas, I'm, I'm I'm just thinking of average for a new release. Like here, it's about hundred bucks. There, yeah. it's remembering that this game is basically a uh, kind of large demo sized. Um, a lot of players were affronted to being asked to pay for it at all. But being asked to pay what is about $60 Australian for it, that's kind of stiff. I'm trying to work out how it compares to what games are normally sold for there. Because I don't have a perspective on that. Around 40 to 50 pounds. Okay. There's kind of that, like, high-end double-A cost. Yeah. I... Maybe I misunderstand the situation. That seems more or less what it ought to be sold for. I mean, okay, it was short, but that was pretty much the only complaint people had about it in terms of being bad value. I think at the time there were arguments about how fresh on day one you had people beating the whole game in 20 minutes. <clears throat> but, nah. I, the marketing decisions of Konami. I have a complicated relationship with gameplay time as well. Like, I've come across so many games that want aggressively to tell me about how long I'll spend playing them, and I just don't want to. Mm. So I don't, I don't want to play you. I don't want to play that long. Go away. There, I, I can't consciously think of any game ever where I have actually paid attention to how long it took me to play the thing. <laughs> And I don't give the faintest whiff of a shit if I finished it quickly <laughs> or if it took me ages. I only notice it if it takes me way too fucking long because there's grindy bits in it or whatever. I try not to think about how much time I've put into Dragon Age Inquisition. <laughs> <laughs> well, Every time I load the save file, I see, oh, that's a huge number. <laughs> Monster Hunter. I have not made that much progress in Dragon Age Inquisition. <laughs> but, oh... Oh, have I played a lot of it. RPGs are always very worth considering in this respect because they have so much potential to eat endless hours of your time, but they're probably the games where you most notice it if you're not having fun during that endless hours. During yeah. Those well, I, I, only, hours. I only notice it when I'm not playing. <laughs> <laughs> when you see the timestamp on the save? It's like, oh, oh, that's, oh. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, oh. I think my oh, wow. Mass Effect 3 save has a similar thing on Origin where it'll tell you, you've played this many hours, and I'm like, I know, I'm ashamed. <laughs> I, haven't even play- I haven't even touched the multiplayer in Inquisition yet. <laughs> and that's really much like going to watch one of these new, you know, three-hour epic timeline kind of movies, whereby if you enjoy the movie, it does not seem like multiple hours at all, really. And if you don't, it is... Just a tedious fucking slog. <laughs> I've had half-hour shows drag, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you especially, like, it's a, uh, li- listener, for the benefit of you, Talon is the kind of person who frequently cannot sit through a whole movie on the lounge without just getting up and doing something. Anything. Anything that makes him move his legs. 
Uh, Even if he likes it! Now, according to the statistics, the average level in Hotline Miami is about 80 seconds. Uh, I've played 41 hours of 80 second levels. Is that, that's 80 seconds to actually play through the level successfully, though, right? Yeah, that's one thing that... This is not including the several hours you spent <laughs> dying in four second increments. Yes. Watching speedrunners do that game is beautiful. Anyway. <laughs> I'm not going to talk too much about Hotline Miami, I promise. I wrote my articles, I got it out of my system. In all seriousness, do you want to talk about Hotline Miami? I I, I thought you didn't want to talk about it too much, but apparently we cut you off previously. So. No, nah, I want to talk about the swindle. Okay. Talon, what, so have, Talon, you what have you been playing? I have been playing a couple of games, one of which is Saints Row 4, which I've been playing with Fox. I have also been playing lots of Hotline Miami because I found out that there's a friend leaderboard and I'm slightly better than most of my friends. <laughs> Except on one stage where he's like, "Oh, what? okay, what? What? I, I, I guess I'm installing." It. <laughs> I, I can, I cannot work out how it would be possible to beat Rachel's score in one of the levels. I, I literally cannot work out how it could be done. Yeah, I know. It's gonna sit there mocking you forever. I know. I know. It's amazing. Um. But in addition to that, I also started playing the swindle. And the when I saw you pick up this, when I saw you pick up the swindle, I was tempted to buy it on the Xbox 360 so that we could discuss the swindle. Um, I, I definitely don't think it's a bad idea to pick up the swindle. Um, I have a suspicion that it's better with a controller than with a keyboard. Um, uh, after I played the swindle for I think half an hour, and one of my classmates who writes for the university publication was like, "What's this?" And we got, we, we got him a code as quickly as we could. Um, for the listeners' benefit, the swindle is a stealth platform roguelike cyberpunk steampunk adventure game. It's kind of incredible. Uh, in the inf- and is it an actual like pla- stealth platformer? Um, it is... Unlike a certain game I won't mention? Yeah. Look, it is actually a stealth platformer in the most classical sense of that term. Um, one point of disclosure, friend of the show and friend of Jeb and myself and, um, just all-round wonderful Pretty Pink Sparkle Princess Luis worked on the game. She mentioned it when we were talking about the podcast, when, when we had her on the podcast. But oh, just, that's where I knew it from. But yeah, uh, just so that's out there. Um... The, Her name's in the credits. Yes! It's like the second name that comes up. It's really cool. Um, apparently she had to code the store because beforehand it didn't know how to subtract money, which seems kind of important. It does. Um, also seems kind of simple. There must be something a lot more complex underlying that. The swindles... Ah. Okay, so the basic framing device is the British government are about to unveil a super surveillance system that will make all burglary and criminal activity impossible and also, you know, fascist police state. Somehow it seems really easy for British people to believe that might happen. (laughs) And you have 100 days. Rick and Morty. You have, you have a ragtag coalition of cat burglars, thieves, ne'er-do-wells, and footpads who want to stop this device from being used, and you've got an airship. So you're going Ooh. out making money, flying into locations, dropping off a thief who then robs an area blind and gets out. That's the hypothetical. What actually happens is you <laughs> die six turns in a row and close the game in frustration. <laughs> it's really okay. good. I have to I have to ask because this is for me it's the most important part of any stealth game. What happens when you fuck up? If you fuck up, if you get spotted, there is oh, for a start there's a, there's a range of ways you can fuck up broadly speaking, but the simplest one is a guard spots you. 
an alarm sounds, there is a window of time, depending upon the level of difficulty you're at and where you are physically, where a cop is called. Any guards who see you will try and brain you, but you don't have to worry about them if you can avoid them. And you, you can hit them with a stick, so you're generally fine when it comes to the guards that are actually you around can you. hit them with a stick. Oh, yeah. The, this, this is your cyberpunk adventure. You got a, you got a, you got a club. You got a club. It's just this whole <laughs> string of whadoosh. <laughs> on the back of people's heads. It's great. Um, but the um, this is not, not really spoilery. It's just it surprised the living fuck out of me when it happened the first time. In that the first time I got caught, uh, uh, a single cop robot turns up. And it, it, it's like a little robot with a bobby hat on top of it. It's great. And it had a special blue uh, sensor bar. So I was like, clearly this thing is to worry about. I avoided it entirely. And I was like, okay, so if you, if you fuck up, the cops show up. But the cops aren't that scary. That's okay. I can handle this. I play for about... Four or five more levels, I get to a fair more, fairly more advanced place, and I fuck up. I'm like, alright, well, I'm way up off the ground, the cop's gonna come down at the front door, he's gonna have to move, I think I left a landmine there, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be fine, I'm gonna be fine. At which point, the roof of the building gets torn open by a floating gunship with a machine gun, <laughs> and a, whoops, and a cop robot with a cup of tea! <laughs> Just to spite you. <laughs> I get smeared across the geography. Oh. I money goes flying everywhere. The best kind of stealth game in my experiences are ones where when things go cockeyed, it's worth paying attention, not just reloading the game. <laughs> and things go magnificently cockeyed in this game. See, one of like my favorite thing about uh, Metal Gear Solid and Assassin's Creed is that when you mess up the stealth, that's when the shenanigans start. Yeah, yeah. It's actually one of the weakest things about Assassin's Creed 2 in that uh, after a certain point of skill, when you fuck up the stealth, it's just like, well, fine, I'll just kill everyone in the room. Time for the fun. Yeah. <laughs> but you liked the killing everyone in the room, I did Dallas. like killing that everyone. That was your favorite thing. I did like killing everyone in the room, but the issue was that it became kind of repetitive. Oh, okay. Whereas it was awfully fun, like, dropping on a couple of Templar guards outside Actually, yeah, I say you liked killing everyone in the room, but really you liked killing one specific guy in every room. <laughs> I just like killing Templars. I don't know why. Templars are dicks. <laughs> But yes, uh, it, it very much has a, a great uh, tension cycle in that you do really wait. You creep. It's very deliberate during the early stealth sections. And when you feel like you're not being observed, when you think you're generally safe, you do get reckless because you're like, oh, I can't see a guard. I can't see any other guards. I'm okay. I'll jog down this hallway pretty well. You will. It does a great job of, as a procedurally designed level game, Luring you into these mental spaces of, I can get away with it, I can swing it, and then it kicks you in the head for it, and it's great! Uh, the, the aesthetic, I also just love this cyberpunk Britain aesthetic, it's really cool. Because there just aren't that many games like it, and it came something like little things, like, you're not earning dollars, you're earning pounds. Yeah, it's nice. I get a little that, tired uh, of dollars. Just sound, it kind of, just off the top of my head, reminds me of a game I previewed a few weeks back, uh, Trudy's Mechanicals. That rings a bell. If you remember that one. I, that was the, uh, that was the, um, steampunk revolution on an airship tactical turn-based strategy game. I don't remember this. How do I not remember this? This sounds like it's right up your alley. It's not an airship. <laughs> uh, they're smoochable boys, because if so, I'm really surprised it's not right <laughs> up Fox's alley. It's not out yet, that's why. <laughs> nah, they're still adding the Smoochable Boys. By still, the way, I also enjoy Smoochable Girls. 
I, I see no, no reason the, to. The, the whole the the, the 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 aesthetic just kind of reminds me of Trudy's Mechanicals, and that's a good thing. Trudy's Mechanicals is another one of those uh, titles that I just got to see a little bit of, and it's like, okay, please let this be a thing soon so I can play it. Well, let let President Fox finish clarifying. <laughs> I just I just wanted to be clear that I see no point in restricting uh, smoochability based on any gender or lack thereof. Thank yes. you. This has been a public service announcement. About smooching. Smooch everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm just now imagining... I, I'm trying to think about, is there any game you can think of with a really smoochable robot? I know there's a couple of games <laughs> with robots I've wanted to hug. Um, yes, definitely a few, but... Uh, Zero. Some of them will be spoilers. Yeah. Uh, Zero's a robot, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I would smooch Zero. Yep. <laughs> with or without arms. That's the, that's the obvious choice, I mean... <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's kind of been... I, the, with, with the Swindle's control mechanism, I mentioned that it's kind of steppy and floaty. This <laughs> is a... This is a I, I, I've been tweeting about this game a fair oh, bit. Oh, right. In, in no small part because I know the developer is looking for references to the game, and it's kind of nice to just get that reaction of, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. The keyboard controls do appear to be based on every button press is a quantity of stick holding. So... When you're like I, I've watched players using uh, controllers to play this game, and they have much more granular control over their movement, whereas with a keyboard, a single tap of the key will always move you a fixed amount, um, and it's a fairly large amount, so it doesn't feel like it's very sensitive control. Um, but it, I, I said this is a bit like having um, a, a friend leave crumbs on your breadboard. I wouldn't really care if I didn't like this game. Uh, one one of the other points. The music's great. Hmm. Uh, it does. It does this sort of semi-techno style. Um, it's going to sound really silly, but this classically Britishy background music. It sounds like it could be from a, a techno remake of the East Enders. And then when the alarms go off, it does like a breakdown, and it, it, it's really effective. Especially because I might have been playing a lot of Hotline Miami recently, and making me go <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> though you got to buy everything as an upgrade. <laughs> ah, it's pretty standard these days. Yeah, it's true. Oh, and as, as far as roguelikes go, it very much feels like it's built with the idea that you're going to fail this game like a dozen times before you finish it. That's most roguelikes, right? I'm noticing... It's pretty standard. Yeah. I'm noticing these days a certain roguelite idea that, with, that the actual failure of the game is viewed as a problem. So they're usually much more recovery based. But okay. this this game is pretty hard. There's also been a growing trend of uh, roguelites that have permanent upgrades. Yes. That was the next thing I was going to ask about, actually. Is there, uh, you know, passing on upgrades to the rest of your downtrodden thief crew? Uh, you buy gear. That mm -hmm. gear persists from character to character. So if you upgrade your goggles to give you the ability to look up and down, that's that's how granular this is. Okay, that if might be goggles... taking things just a little too far. <laughs> if you want the goggles to do something. Yes. Oh, and the goggles can do a lot in this game. Like, and some of, some of the upgrades... What, here's a neat thing about the upgrade tree. The upgrade tree very clearly signals to you how the scope of the game winds up going. Because when you first open it up in your airship, there's like, hack a computer will cost you 100 pounds to learn. And then you jump to the other side of the screen, and it's like, getting goggles the ability to tell where thing where, where the computers are on the level, 50,000 pounds. <laughs> this shit scales fast. Broadly speaking, I'm really enjoying the swindle, and I heartily recommend if you like stealth platform games, give it a shot. Good stuff.
And now it's time for Retro Gaming News. All the news that's fit to print for the month of September 2011. Review my whiskey shark! 2011. Four years ago, we were in the PS3 part of the cycle. Nothing particularly terrible had happened. There wasn't a... Give me a look. No, that was my look for... Oh, only that many years ago. Fuck. I'm in trouble. Wow. (laughs) I'm not good at recent games. Uh, 2011 is the year that the 3DS got released, so... Oh, okay. I might do alright. We'll see. Yeah. Wait, nothing got released for the 3DS in the first year. It was garbage. That was the point. Lots of easy remakes and stuff got made for the 3DS. Yeah, like four of them. All right. It's a remake of a property from the late 90s. Ninja Gaiden Black. (laughs) No, it's a furry game. All the characters are some variety of anthropomorphic animal. Sonic Unleashed. <laughs> no, but wow. You can just imagine if, they, if that had come out and not this. Uh, it's a property with a lot of retro nostalgia. It's clearly one of the beloved mainstays of uh, the company that owns them. Did they do a Star Fox game at that point? They did. They, they brought did. back okay. Star Fox 64 on the 3DS. Oh, oh yeah. I didn't oh. know it was a launch title. I thought that one waited a while before they remade it it was uh released in north america on the 9th of september it came out in japan in july got star fox 64 yeah it was called lilac wars no star fox 64 3d no no not the the remake the original 64 one i don't remember playing it under that name it might well have been internationalization maybe yeah i i i'm gonna level with you i don't know it was was called star fox 64 here it was one of the only things I played on the 64 before I had one, because my cousins had it. Huh. Alright. We have a re-release of a game from 1991. So, 20-year-old game at that point. Oh, good. <laughs> Just what we've been waiting for. Yes. Um, virtual console type re-release, or it was a game card It was a virtual console re-release. Yeah. Uh, it had... It had some really bad box art in... Uh, Mega Man? Mega Man 4, yeah. It was going to be that or Kirby. <laughs> yes. Mega Man 4 was launched in September 2011. Yep. Uh, Alright, this is a game which has its... This is a franchise game. It's one of those franchises that always puts the name of the franchise in it. Well, not always, but most of the time puts the name of the franchise in it and then has just like a, a, a subtitle that differentiates it slightly. Huh. And this one kind of has two subtitles. If you look at the box... Uh, it's a life simulator. Uh, Harvest Moon something or other did something? Yeah, pretty much. It's uh, <laughs> a tale of two towns? Yes! It's Harvest Moon DS, a tale of two yeah, towns. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, I just, you look at the box and DS is quite clearly sitting there between the two sets of text, but apparently yeah, it's not part of the title. Yeah, they released a 3DS one as well. Oh. So... I think what you had technically was Harvest Moon DS that and Harvest Moon 3DS that, I think. All right. I accidentally have the DS one instead of the 3DS Aww. one, which is a bit annoying. Aww. All right. We have a first-person shooter. Independent developer? Tag. <laughs> uh, it has script problems. It promised a return to an older style of gameplay. It uses high-tech and cyberpunk visual aesthetics. Uh, um, Hard Reset? Hard Reset, yes, by Flying Wild Hog Games. When they said we were going to return to an earlier style of game, they kind of meant painkiller. Flying Wild Hog. Flying Wild Hog. Did they just want to call themselves Flying Pig, but it was taken? Um, they're a Polish developer. Ah, okay. Um, and 
I like making fun oh, all well and good, but they did go on after Hard Reset with the money from Hard Reset to make Shadow Warrior the remake, which I ah. did spend most of 2014 standing on my chair hollering about. So I do recall you calling it the better alternative to Bioshock Infinite at that time. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the only thing Bioshock Infinite did better than Shadow Warrior was Be Pretty. And, my god, Bioshock Infinite does pretty well. <laughs> anyway, right. Uh, it also does sound well. Oh, yeah, the sound design in that game is excellent. Yes. Alright, we have a game about friends. About... Yay! Lots of friends! About Yay! lots and lots and lots of friends! Is this one a re-release? No, it's a it's a DS title. It's not Sweeter and Tear Christ. No, 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 no. All the friends are kind of similar. They all look like a friend. Wait, Kirby's Kirby Mass Attack. Oh, Yay. <laughs> lots and lots of so friends. So much as they are clones. <laughs> yeah, but Kirby is shaped like a friend. Yeah, I'm pretty sure if you call your own clones friends, you are one of the saddest motherfuckers around. <laughs> I would treat my clone with the agency that he deserved. Or she, if you want to come think of it. I don't know. Even if it just mildly followed you, echoing all the things you did? That would be a little weird. We'd yes. have to have a talk. Yes. Um, yeah, but then, then they'd keep talking back. Yeah. Oh, uh, Kirby Mass Attack, the North American art, is got some of the most obviously drawn-in eyebrows ever. <laughs> Everybody's cranky. Same. <laughs> Do you wonder if Prince Fluff was like a comment on that? (laughs) (laughs) His one actually has angry eyebrows. In the cutest Kirby we've ever made. (laughs) The angriest eyebrows we've ever found. (laughs) These, these are the angry eyebrows. Use them well, young prince. (laughs) (laughs) Bestowed upon him from Dungeons of Dreadmoor. Oh, they're like a crown. They're the symbol of heredity. (laughs) (laughs) They're actually attached to the crown. All right. So every every oh, generation, goodness. a child is born in this kingdom with the eyebrows, and we know that this child will rule us all. <laughs> it could be, you know, because the crown is still there on every, you know, how they turn into tanks and yeah. balls and penguins and surfboards and all that. And the this crown game is, is awesome, by the way. And also the eyebrows. Are always there, so you know. All right, we have an iOS release. Of a game. Go straight. Final Fantasy V. No to both of you. Boo! With a name that has a Japanese word, well, kind of a nonsense word, but a Japanese word and a French word. And speaking of kings, this game features heavily a king. Whoa. It's described as a third person puzzle action game. With a Japanese nonsense word and a French word. Yes. It's of a franchise. It's of a well-known franchise. Does it have, like, a series name as well, or just the series title? The series title is the nonsense word. What the hell am I listening to? It was praised for having fantastic music, though most of that music comes from earlier games. And its control scheme was described as being very cumbersome on the iPad. He's making this face like I ought to know. Okay, all control schemes are cumbersome on the iPad, Give us, give us a developer hint. Fucking clue. Uh, it's made by Namkai Bandai. Sorry, Namco Bandai. Namkai Bandai. Namkai Bandai. Nonsense words in French, isn't it? <laughs> and the French word is amore. Well, obviously, it's a Dragon Ball game. <laughs> I Next, I got a Dragon Ball amore. Katamari amore. Oh, uh, there was a. Okay, I had no idea oh. there was an iOS Katamari, and I had no idea there was a Katamari called amore. Yeah. Oh. 
I the followed... very concept of a uh, Nio has Katamari bothers me. By the way, unless Amori you play it by using like the. <laughs> <laughs> it's amour if it's French. <laughs> yeah, you're right. No, oh, did you figure that in France the moon hit your eye like a big pizza pie? <laughs> I mean, you could have amore, but then it would end with ee. Yeah, I. In <laughs> Is French. that a real word still? It's it's uh, the female version of amore. Amo. Okay, there you go. You can have that. Is that what it is? But it's still spelled no. differently. I think. I didn't think so. All right. <laughs> so Talon is wrong. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We got it. Got, got to get out hey, of I got the Talon is wrong point this time. Well done. Well done. <laughs> I don't think I've ever gotten that before. I'm gonna make a little trophy. All right. I think I can read everything about this game off the uh, off the first paragraph of its Wikipedia page. <laughs> T-shirt with a trophy on it saying Talon was wrong. Well done. Um, but this, I think I can read the entire first paragraph of this game's description on Wikipedia, and neither of you will get it. Do it then. Blank. Five, four, mm-hmm. four years ago. Good. Then for the past five years. You've been wondering, oh. <laughs> Blank is a strategy video game developed by Cyanide and published by Focus Home Interactive, released exclusively for Microsoft Windows on September 28, 2011 in North America. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah? Strategy game by Cyanide? Strategy game by Cyanide and published by Focus Home Interactive. This is... No. Which one is it? <laughs> Dungeon Ball? No. No, 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 no. The game is an adaptation of the Blank book series by Blank. Oh, come on! That's not reading the whole first paragraph. <laughs> you're right, you're right. I've had to give up too, I've had to give up too much. Um, it's based on a popular television show, which is based on a popular... Well, it's based on books that are based on the, you know, the TV. The Game of Thrones game? It's a Game of Thrones game. Game of Thrones. Yes, Game of Thrones Genesis. <laughs> sure! So you said focus on cyanide. Oh, wait, they have the... I said... Uh, I have a bunch of focus games, so it's like, oh wait, I have that game. So that's now two details about this game that are noteworthy. One, the game got a peg. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what? <laughs> I think the yoga ball was actually contributing something nice there. <laughs> Some helpful use for me. Um, no, uh, this game got a Peggy rating of twelve. Good grief! It's a Game of Thrones game with a Peggy rating of twelve. Uh, and its Metacritic score was 53. <laughs> I figured the Metacritic score wow. was going to be lower than the Peggy <laughs> That's a good insult. I remember that one. Uh, I'm reminded that apparently the PSP strategy role-playing game for the Game of Thrones, the first half of it, you could tell the voice actors aren't into it. And then after that, they start taking themselves seriously. So there's this really dramatic mood shift as, they, as the voice actors very tangibly <laughs> changing tone. <laughs> Alright, we have a remake of a arcade game. Uh, this is one of those games that's so old and so well known that pretty much everyone who makes a reference to video games can easily reference it. Uh, the mechanics have been refined and tightened and duplicated for dozens and dozens and dozens of platforms. Um, is it one of the Pac-Man re-releases? No, but you're around the right... a lot of those on like PSN and whatnot. You're about the right general spectrum of type of thing. Um, it's a Konami game. Bomberman? No to both of you. It's a simpler game than both. Right. Like, you don't even have a shoot button in this game. Do you have a jump button? No. Do, do you have an anything button? You have movement. You have movement. Okay. So this is very close to Pac-Man. It's close. A Konami game? A Konami game that's close to close to Pac-Man and its uh, control mechanisms. Snake? I don't know if Konami it ever made a version of Quicks. Snake. It does feature a cold-blooded animal as its central character. Is this Pitfall? <laughs> 
No, it's Frogger. Fuck you if you don't think that the star was an alligator. Oh, <laughs> oh God, is this the ba- uh, hor- horrifyingly bad Frogger game? This is the 3DS release of Frogger 3D. Yeah, they weren't scraping the bottom of the barrel for release titles on nothing. They knew what they were doing. The cover of which has an angry truck chasing a wacky frog. Should have made it slippy. <laughs> I'm in pain. Yeah. Hurt. That game was so simple. How do you fuck it up? You fuck up Frogger. Oh, did you not ever see the uh the 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 PlayStation 2 Frogger game? No. That was a platformer? Huh. Set in Orleans? Oh no. Set in where? New Orleans. In the bayou? Oh dear. That's going to be kind of <laughs> racist, isn't it? Oh, just a little. <laughs> it is everything you are imagining right now and more. All right. Now, th- there is a bit of a kind of train wreck in this particular month. Going to just try and get the nice stuff out of the way before we get to it. But here's one that I what, think... Duke Nukem Forever? <laughs> here's one that I think is going to sail past Fox. I'm pretty sure this is like closer to Jeb's wheelhouse. It's a 360 game, and it uses the Connect. So... Already, we're well out of Fox's area of expertise. So. <laughs> How long has the Kinect been out at this stage? Uh, I don't think it was a release title for it. It was originally this game was originally planned to be a, an Xbox Live arcade game, and then it got a full event, full release. Um, the developer was Twisted Pixel. If that helps, was it, who made Gunstringer? That is, in fact, Gunstringer. Oh, he already. That's said what that. I just said. I'm sorry, I missed it. I'm very sorry. That was oh. rude of me. Yes. Uh, yeah, Gunstringer, Gunstringer fucking owns. <laughs> It owns so much. It is <laughs> a lovely no idea. idea. How, you have no idea how good Gunstringer is because nobody has a fucking Connect. <laughs> Surely they'd be making a release of it for the Xbox One as well. Uh, they they just need to find a way to capture the, the joy and beauty of Gunstringer in other other ways. I I genuinely because Gunstringer love... Gunstringer is the is the the marionette gunslinging game. <laughs> yes. <laughs> where you use the motion controls, not like, you know, you, you don't, you aren't miming out shooting the gun. No, you're miming out doing the marionette stuff. And you kind of flick the sides of your hands up to, to, to shoot the gun. <laughs> and <laughs> it is really clever and it's the reason I own a Kinect for my Xbox 360. <laughs> they could they could release it on Wii with an actual puppet peripheral. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> they could totally do a puppet peripheral game. Does the, I never thought about that. Does the Wii U have a motion controller in the tablet? Yeah, yeah. So you could, hypothetically, you could uh, make... Well, like a, a simple one. Uh, it, would, it, it's it, just it's like an accelerometer and a... Yeah. It's got an accelerometer and a gyro, gyro, eh, gyroscope, I assume. Yeah. yeah right, right. Like any tablet. <laughs> From one game like with a... pretty much all game controllers do nowadays, don't they? Oh, yeah, they do, don't they? Yeah. Pretty much. Mm. All right, so from one game with a deliberately oddball aesthetic to another game with a deliberately oddball aesthetic, this one's a roguelike. Uh, it's a small independent game. The music was composed by Danny Baranowski, which doesn't narrow it down all that much. Actually, it sounds very familiar. That name sounds familiar. Oh, uh, Danny Baranowski did music for Super Meat Boy and dozens ah, of other dozens of other indie games. I've been sorting my MP3 collection, which contains all the MP3s you've gotten as part of Humble Bundles. Oh yes, years. yes. So um, it's a roguelike with with a unique visual aesthetic to it. Yeah, certainly not like any other roguelike. You'll, you, I, I can't think of any other game which tries to look like this game. 
Uh, it's kind of gross. Binding of Isaac? Binding of Isaac, yes. There are plenty of games that try to look like Binding of Isaac. They're all made by Ed, 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 Ed McMillan. Yes. <laughs> and, and as far as deliberately oddball aesthetics, that's that game is... That game is weird. I, I don't want to sound like I'm criticizing it or dismissing it as like an odd thing because there's stuff in that game that speaks to me on a very weird level. Um, uh, just it, it's it's an impressively made game considering. So you say religious imagery, <laughs> sons being abused, speaks to Talon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How mysterious. All right, from one deliberately gross aesthetic to a deliberately very pretty aesthetic, we have a JRPG on the PS3. An Italia? It's an Italia. Hey. Can, can you narrow it down more than that? At this point, it'd have to be Asker and Loji, wouldn't it? No. It's Atelier. <laughs> <laughs> well, it couldn't possibly be the next one. Would it have to be, um, what's her fucking name? Me it's Atelier Aisha. Aisha, yeah. No. Not Aisha? I'm just, no. that's the only, I'm just, just guessing. It's Atelier Totori, <laughs> the adventurer of our land. She apparently got a Gaiden game. That, are you sure? Are you sure that's not just the subtitle? They all have a subtitle. Uh, it's a, uh, it's a sequel to Atelier Arona, The Alchemist of Arland. Yeah. Okay. It's also just the next Atelier. God, this naming system confuses me. I apologize, yes. Alright. Wait, so it's, what, they have an adventurer workshop? <laughs> Apparently so. They churn out adventurers and say, like, hold on a second, we gotta build a new one. To be fair, most JRPGs have something like that. No, 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 but like they all, I think Rorona was the first one that, that started that naming scheme, I'm not totally sure about that, but like Aisha is Alchemist of Dusk or something. And... Yeah. I'm just saying because like, you know, the word Atelier means workshop. Well, yeah, this is true. <laughs> Alright, we have a car game. All right, car game. It's a car game. It's a game about oh, driving not our car. cars. Yeah, sorry. Uh-huh. Uh, action adventure racing video game. It's plagued rage. by no, not rage. It's got a fairly wonky uh, DRM system that was oh, fairly rage. new at the time. No, <laughs> uh, it's a game that lets you teleport from car to car. Oh, Driver San Francisco. Yes, it's apparently a very good game. It's a tangle for me because, on the one hand, this game, by all accounts, really owns at everything it's trying to do. And on the other hand, you have to go through Uplay to get it. Just, uh... And I suppose also you need to find driving games fundamentally interesting. I don't know if you do for Driver San Francisco. <laughs> so the, the weird framing device of Driver San Francisco is you probably just got really badly fucked up in a car wreck and maybe comatose and dreaming the whole thing. Uh-huh. You, the driver, developed the mysterious ability to teleport into the bodies of other drivers in other cars. Oh, okay. So At any time. At any time. And the car you left behind keeps driving just fine. You don't, like, teleport out of it. So you can <laughs> jump around trying out different cars. You can get out of traffic jams. And every time you, wimp, you, you blink into someone's life, you get, like, a little snippet of them talking before you do. So there's all this background storytelling. And when I... Normally, car okay. games don't have a lot of background storytelling. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Also, if you teleport out of your car and go straight up, and just keep going up, 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 get to the roof of the world, you hear a very faint rebreather and beeping. Oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> Building to the theory that you might be dead. You might be dead. <laughs> or you might be just about to die. Don't go up. <laughs> up I mean, the whole... Up is symbolic. Whole... Don't up. 
the the whole you know in a hospital and everything that's not like a theory that's yeah like that that's laid out to you at the start that's text yeah yeah but whether or not you're actually dying yeah all right we have a franchise game about dun, dun, dun. about gorillas in fridges oh Batman no no uh a different game about gorillas in fridges Gears of War Gears of War three <laughs> you got it you both got it yes Gears of War three um. I, I don't have anything smart Alec to say about Gears of War 3. The fact that in all the time since that game came out, I haven't read a single think piece really talking about it or elaborating on it in any way indicates that it was just very middle of the road. I doubt that. Um, <laughs> Gears of War, Gears of War is good. That's all you could say about it. Yeah. It's good at what it does. Sometimes you want to play as a tank who shoots aliens in the face. And has duels with chainsaws. Gears, Gears of War is really good for that. <laughs> like, it's easy to make fun of the whole cover base shooter thing. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, there's, you know, everything's gray and brown. But you know what it's really good at? Letting you shoot aliens in the face. It also was one of the games I first looked at and realized that the proprioception problem I talk about is actually slightly improved by uh, third-person camera. Third-person cover-based shooters, in my opinion, are probably better than first-person cover-based shooters. And Gears of War is one of the ones that made me really grasp that idea. Mm-hmm. Well, if if cover is an important element, then yeah, third-person would definitely improve that, because you could, like, see shit. Yes! <laughs> Otherwise you're staring at a wall. Yeah. I can't believe that there's this generation of gamers who are like, yeah, you just spend a significant point of your time, part of your time with the camera pointing at a wall. Really? <laughs> like, if you're gonna right. do first person, just, you know, be Doom or something, is all I'm saying. Yeah. Alright, now, we have a franchise game from a company that has a, let's say, troubled history prior to this point of video games. Ah, Sonic Unleashed. <laughs> I was gonna say Borderlands. No, it's British. Mm. The franchise is British. Now, that's not to say all the games made in uh, under this franchise have been bad. This is a Tomb Raider Isn't game. No, not Tomb Raider. But <laughs> historically, there have been more bad tie-ins to this franchise than good. Uh-huh. Sonic Unleashed. Dizzy 3D. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the... There's no such thing as a bad Dizzy. You take that back. <laughs> <laughs> I will fight you 1v1 right now. <laughs> I'm not going to die on this hill. (laughs) (laughs) No, Dizzy's going to because the controls are off. (laughs) You you weren't expecting that. No, this is a game that's... This this game specifically is a third-person shooter, kind of high-impact display fighter kind of game. But uh, because the characters move like sludge, it doesn't have the whole acrobatic stuff you get in like a Devil May Cry. Okay, so it's like... Vanquish but bad. The game has comically uh, bad voice acting. <laughs> ah, most of them. <laughs> all of them. There's there's a mimetic sound ba- sound bite of uh like all the enemies cry out the same thing when they see you, even the ones from different factions. So you get this British voice calling out the name. Of oh, them. it's a Warhammer. It's a Warhammer game. Yeah. Yes. I'm thinking, what the fuck British franchises do I know? <laughs> yes. Wait, is this Space Marine? This is Space Marine. <laughs> That game was cool. I'm not saying it wasn't cool. I'm saying it wasn't as balletic as Devil May Cry. That's also... that. That I will give you. That is that is true. However, it was really good at also at capturing the idea that you are literally a tank. Yeah, you move like a truck. You are literally a tank. 
and he was very good at that. I also wouldn't necessarily call it comically bad voice acting because part of badness has to be inappropriateness acting, <laughs> and that is probably exactly what they intended Warhammer to sound like. I mean, yeah. Warhammer is stupid. Not <laughs> One of the major factions is intergalactic soccer hooligans. <laughs> The best faction. Yeah, well. <laughs> yeah. well, you know, they're tasty. Gorka Morka is one of the best tabletop uh, war games ever made. <laughs> because it is just orcs. I want to see a Warhammer game with a sense of humor appropriate to how stupid Warhammer is, where you play Tyranids eating the other factions. I want to see my first Tyranid, like a, like a Tyranid Razor game. <gasps> yeah, little baby Tyranid! Little and then it grows, baby. it grows, it grows! All, all done this. in that really cartoony Hello Kitty style, and you're throwing corpses to it. <laughs> Alright. Okay, and, you know, loading you up Unity. Right, eventually it uh, get, gets big enough and dangerous enough that it uh, freezes you in place with psychic powers and eats your brain. Alright, now... Hold up, loading up Unity. Okay, set, setting this... This is the last game of the last game of the month. I'm setting this down. You know, gotta unscrew the top because this is labeled quite toxic. You put it in the middle of the table. Alright, so <clears throat> Grand Theft Auto 4. Did it go? No. <laughs> Damn. Worse than Grand Theft Auto 4. That doesn't exist. It is a first person shooter game. Homeland. <laughs> Call of Juarez racism. Bing. I got it. got it. Oh yeah. Wow. Call of Juarez, the cartel. The racism version. Yeah, good. Yeah. I mean not good. The game that stands out as a disgusting blight on what now, in hindsight, looks like a pretty good shooter franchise. A game that has an achievement for shooting black kids. It's just... There, there is an extra credits episode where they go into at length some of the problems this game has. It is a bad game. And apparently it didn't do very well in sales good. either. Good. Uh, its Metacritic score was a 50. And Note that it was less than the one that I said should have been 12. <laughs> yeah. Well, 50 is astonishingly low for a Metacritic score. Yeah. Uh, the PS3 version's Metacritic score is 45. So, apparently the this led to the uh, loss of confidence from Ubisoft in Call of Juarez titles, which meant that some plucky group in... Uh, the development team said, hey, can we go back and make a really oddball western? <laughs> and that's where we got Gunslinger from. And, it's and really... then they said, give her. And it was a good thing. Yes. So, uh, congratulations to people for not rewarding the shitty version, because that may have directly caused the good version. Yeah. Well done. I, yeah. I, I don't know where it came from. Like, it probably came from, what can we do with this franchise that will appeal to dark and gritty gun gamers? I don't... I can't even begin to get it, though, because, like, Call of Juarez is a... It's a cowboy franchise. Let's definitely jump to the DEA? No, let's modernize the cowboy franchise. Cowboys are no, for kids. again, the Mexican drug cartel crises that uh, get discussed... In the U.S. as being yeah. their problem, and uh, yeah. I don't want to talk about this on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. So if I say Call of Juarez sucks, Gunslinger is pretty damn good. Gunstringer is fucking awesome. <laughs> Gunstringer owns. I, I just wanted to do a quick rundown of your jam. Uh, I don't have a whole lot of games to talk about, but there are some really interesting things y'all should keep an eye on. Um, one of them I don't believe has a name yet. It is about playing a superhero character. 
and trying to find yourself either a love interest or a sidekick if the whole love interest thing doesn't work out. It was described along the lines of you can get a cute girlfriend or just a rad sidekick to have ice cream with, which I think sounds excellent. Um, There is Love You Like an Energy Drink, which is a sports anime with girl characters. Uh, I believe we have dancers and swimmers and possibly a track runner. I'm not sure. Um, but anyway, really cute designs, uh, looks really fun and sweet, and features a uh, polyamorous couple, oh. which is something I don't think I've ever seen in a dating sim, despite how you would think it probably would fit nicely into the desires of people who play visual novels, shall we say. I want to know why there isn't a visual novel about a really optimistic, sweet, sunny girl picking up every single partner she wants called Pollyanna. Oh... I think we just discovered why, because my first reaction would be, oh. <laughs> anyway, that, there's uh, Heaven Seed, which is about playing a god who was basically beat up and kicked out of the heavens, but still has some power left, and has this really interesting aesthetic of, of you know, tribal characters and uh, divine trappings and funky wings and cool monster spirits and... Very much, if if you want a game full of female characters who do not have conventionally female appearances, this is an excellent game to check out. These characters are so different. Cool. It's really cool. The main character is, is has a human-ish form, which is mostly still sort of like a cross between a lizard and an insect and a god. Nice. <laughs> She's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> Um, other ones I wanted to talk about, there is a game called The Fetch, which is a psychological supernatural horror thriller thing. Um, I don't know a lot about what's going on in it yet, but once again, really interesting character designs. I'm kind of, I'm a little bit cautious about it because I'm like, oh, I want there to be good endings. I don't want anything bad to happen to these people. <laughs> I like them all. That's really so weird. they're trying to make Fetch happen. <laughs> um, That's really weird because... Mean the- Girls joke. <laughs> It's really weird, because The Fetch was the name I was going to have for my furry all-dog girls uh, criminal heist team. Well, in this case, it's the name of a spirit that like yeah. inhabits your body and steals your yes. memories or awareness or something. Um, also, another really diverse cast. I I think there might be one white girl in there somewhere, but I could be misremembering that. Also, she's a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone's a ghost, though it is a distinct possibility. I can't promise anything. Um... Ah, and a couple of others that I can't remember the names of. One where you get to play a, a witch going out in the forest and finding a new friend who may or may not be a vampire. Uh, I mention this because Yuri Witches, I know, is of particular interest <laughs> to certain people who follow Dallin. My friends are, uh, you know, they, they're pleased to see themselves represented Everyone. in media. <laughs> yes. Everyone we know. Everyone. Every single person we know is interested in Yuri Witches. <laughs> There's other ones which are definitely worth mentioning, but I, I can't bring them to mind right now because this is the, you know, moments before the show kind of recap I did. Oh, shit, I should talk about some of these. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, check it out. Have a look. There's lots of really interesting stuff going on, and uh, most of these people are unprofessional creators who would really, really love to have someone look at their work and go, hey, that's cool. Also, uh, I post about this on my blog, but I'd like to repeat it. Chances are you can try and make a Yuri Jam gang, right? If you're listening to this, listener, just consider. Think about things you could make or the types of games you'd like to see. It's worthwhile at least thinking about it in terms of stuff you can do. Because 
We need more creators, and we need more different creators who aren't necessarily thinking of themselves as coming from the creative class. <laughs> if you've got an idea, chances are there's a way to make that idea work. Yeah, I think Talon is specifically talking about you had a number of ideas for, like, physical world games that you could whip up a prototype of with, like, pens and stuff. Yeah. Cardboard prototyping. It works really well. Thank you for tuning in to the Downloadable Concept Podcast. Tune in next week when we discuss the Munchlax canon even further. <laughs> Until then, that's been Fox. That's been Talon. And that's been Jeb. <laughs> Bye! Well, if somebody isn't planning on belching over the outro... Middleton! Shh. Middleton is the munchlax in the middle of the stack on, under the suit, right? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, the, the top and... one is headbutt and the bottom one is legs. <laughs> <laughs> this is established canon. She's <laughs> talked about this before. <laughs> Mother of God.